it's also one of the the issues we're we're facing at the moment with the pink elephant business is that all our content is essentially it's very obvious that it's been it's being done and being shot during lockdown for for example the fact that i'm doing like a presentation skills course that we're going to package up and sell online but instead of being shot in a nice studio it's just in my flat with <laughs> with like a couch and some lights and a breakfast bar oh, you can actually see all that stuff yeah because we didn't want it to just be like me standing in front of a white screen for the whole time we had to keep it interesting man should have used a green screen and put yourself in front of generic backdrops, <laughs> like the Himalayas. Well, I, I saw actually somebody on social media who, who went viral because they had changed their Zoom background on a company call uh, to the meme of the boyfriend who's looking very jealously at a, a girl walking past. Oh, nice. And, oh, yeah. Very, very funny. But she then received an email from her boss saying it was very unprofessional. Oh, that's just such a shame. So, you know, the thought did cross my mind. Such a shame that these kinds of things are apparently going to make businesses fail, right? Is is I, there a level at which we have to remain... Now, I'm answering my own question here. Professional <laughs> during this spell. Because, for example, I am now a full month into having not shaved. Right. And whilst the beard is looking... Wait, and you're recording things to sell? Yeah, man. With so... The, with the unshaved face. Yeah. It is going down in the literal records. It, it is. And here's the thing. Right. It's, it's more ginger than brown, and it's also a bit scraggly. It just means you're, you're Scottish and youthful. However, I will say it makes me look older. And also, it jo- like, it all joins up. There's, there's, it is without any gaps at all, which is great. No, no gaps. Oh, that's the dream. Well done. You're a real man. It's like literally from from sideburn to sideburn and then up, up to the bottom lip and then round the top. And all over the top of the head too. I'll be, yeah, I'll be honest. I don't like it, but other people seem to like it. It makes you look older, so stick with it. I did an Instagram poll and literally everybody voted for keep it, so... Maybe, yeah, I didn't <laughs> see the poll, so I can't say whether or not it's more or less likely that they were having a giggle. Um <laughs> No, no, I like genuinely because the two options were keep it or chuck it, right? And right. I think the only people who voted for chuck it were um, people who are unable to grow facial hair. Let's put it that way. Ah, ah, there was a jealous vote. Oh, oh yeah, undoubtedly. Right, that makes. I know. Keep it. Uh, you have to know though because it's part of your business, Luke. You've recorded all these <laughs> highly professional videos. The only way you're going to be able to get follow-up jobs recording such videos is if you have exactly the same facial hair and hair hair. Well, exactly. But all this professionalism stuff. It's all nonsense. Why? It's exactly the same debate we had about what it means to be like prime ministerial. It's just a bunch of token nonsense. It doesn't actually change anything. It's it's yeah. it's just a remnant of a of an era where people thought that they needed to present themselves in posh ways. Quit it. Be yourself. Do your business. If people don't like it, who cares? It's it is funny because we've done sessions with you know banks or or people who. I fully expected to be in shirts and ties, and so I'm in a shirt and tie, and they turn up in a polo shirt and jeans. Yeah, that's all good. Like, I believe in all that. It, it, it's like, I'm not saying go out there and just be super annoying. Being annoying is, is not acceptable. No. But like, if you're doing something non intrusive, like wearing a polo shirt or changing your webcam background to something that's lightly funny, 
It's not going to damage anyone's workflow unless they are crazy people, in which case it's the crazy people that should be fired. Okay, well, talking of crazy people, welcome to Seesaw Parade episode 202. I'm Colin. Yeah, we got the craziest listeners around. <laughs> yeah, we do. Rabid fans all over the world. I'm Colin and he is James. I am. And this is Zelda. She has just appeared. She knows podcast time. She hears it. This is... Do, do, do you genuinely believe that she knows that this is the time where you sit and talk for an hour? She hasn't sat with me all day. We've been talking for six minutes and she's barged in. She must know. Something in her brain gets triggered into thinking it is time to either clean myself near a microphone and or sleep near sit a microphone. On daddy. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> okay. What did you say? <laughs> to sit on daddy. <laughs> No, is that not what she's doing? Steph, I do not want anyone to be having those thoughts uninvited. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, welcome to the show. Thank you very, very much for listening. And thank you very much for getting in touch as well. Talking of uh, invoices, as we did last week, Shanana BT got in touch and said, did you hear my cheer all the way from Kirkcaldy for your invoice getting paid? Nearly dropped the dish I was cleaning in excitement for you. Oh man, that's just great. empathy feels. Well done. Well done, you. I mean, it's... You're, you're tuned into the pain of self-employment. As, as she then went on to say, we all need the dollar dollar bills right now. Preach. That's oh, what man. I say. Everyone, everyone's needing it. It's almost like everybody needs a bit more direct help from the government or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, James. Although, unfortunately, because I'm in both worlds, you know, I've got the contract, but I'm also uh, invoicing multiple people. I don't really have help from anybody because. Oh no, yeah, you don't qualify for any help. No, Neither do I. Yeah, like I don't. I don't actually have a tax return from last year to show them. And by the time I get it to them, I'm gonna be given like what fifty quid. Yeah. Oh, don't, come on. I can't sustain my my lifestyle of cereal and mini eggs with 50 quid yeah. a week. I'm, I'm not really complaining on my behalf. I'm doing just fine. But I know that there are a lot of people that aren't getting covered by the current agreements. And it is a shame. We'll, we'll get onto that in, in more depth. But yes, absolutely. And also shout out to Amel. She said that she is doing a much better job of catching Seesaw Parade every week. And she is enjoying the chat. And she put a smiley face with some sunglasses on. So clearly enjoying it in the sunshine. Madness. Them, them is the crazy listeners we love. People who actually listen. That's insane. It's, it is nice. So, so thank you very much for, for tuning in. Uh, trust you're enjoying it. And uh, we will continue to provide said ill-informed life advice and opinions. Yeah, do not actually take us seriously or your life will become worse. <laughs> there we go. Same could be said of Donald Trump. We'll get into that and his uh, disinfectant suggestions <laughs> who is later smarter, on. Two of us or one of Donald Trump. It's just, it's absolutely astonishing. And honestly, okay, never mind. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> okay, James, let's kick off with coronavirus chat close to home. And this weekend, we'll see the very sad milestone of 20,000 people having died from the coronavirus in the UK. Yeah. It's the fifth weekend of lockdown. Uh, Nicola Sturgeon said that most, or well, certainly some of the social distancing measures are likely to last throughout the entire year, mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. pubs and major events being the last things to be put back into place. Uh, the number of deaths in the US has passed 50,000. You're talking oh, 2.6 million people infected worldwide. The testing website, which the UK launched today, was closed temporarily 
after all slots were taken. They're, of course, currently trying to meet 100,000 tests every single day. They're somewhat short of that. Yeah, just, well, a, just a touch. Just, just a touch short of that. Just a wee bit. And global leaders have launched a initiative together to speed up the development of vaccines as people started being tested in the UK with various different combinations of antibiotics and other things that they're trialling. James, where would you say the UK is at the moment? Now, obviously, as Sturgeon said, and as Chris Whitty, who's the uh, director of NHS England, I want to say, has talked about the peak yeah. being over, or we're at the peak. Oh, well, no, we are, right? So this, it, it, that's, as, that's as high as, it, as it's going to get considering current measures. Right. And that's, that's the big thing, is it's the current measures that got us to this lower peak not low peak because if you look at other countries there there are countries that did a whole lot better than us correct even than just scotland um but the only reason we have reached this point is by doing a big old lockdown i've seen a lot of people use the numbers that we have say like we've got the low-ish death counts lately i don't even know how to call it low but people call it well yeah it's, it's still in the hundreds but it's lower it's still a lot of people and they're seeing these numbers and they're going, oh, look, we didn't need the lockdown all along. Who, who, we, why did we do this? We, it's just like the only reason we've got the numbers this low is because we did a big old lockdown. And if we want to keep yep. the lo- numbers low until we got a vaccine, we're probably going to keep doing lockdowns every now and then of varying types. And that, that's, the, that's the future for us. And we've, and we've been told as much now. Finally, we're getting some actual transparency from at least some people in the leadership of the UK. And we're being told that lockdowns are... So something to expect. Right. So so let's touch on that. The Prime Minister Boris Johnson is still too unwell to return to work. So Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab has been deputising for him. Oh, yeah. Who mm-hmm. this week said easing social distancing measures too soon would risk a second spike of cases, yep. triggering a second lockdown that would prolong the economic and social pain across the country. Yes. And Professor Chris Whitty, who I mentioned earlier, has talked about the fact that it's wholly unrealistic to expect life to suddenly return to normal anytime soon. Do you believe that people across the UK are uh, understand that, are on board with what's currently being said? Because you're, you're right, as much as it's still too early to say when this is actually going to end or, or when things will start to be lifted, do you believe that people are on board with what the government are doing? Yeah, as far as I've seen with like the stats and the polls and stuff, the UK has been surprisingly receptive of the idea of lots more lockdown. We aren't having quite as many idiots as we had originally expected, and there was originally some evidence of. And the vast majority of people in the UK seem to be supporting um, the measures, even if there are some louder voices saying, ah, we didn't need this at all. Let's get back to business as usual. Yeah, so just on that note, Police Scotland today, which is Friday, said they've so far handed out 1,600 fines, but it's mainly repeat offenders who are spoiling it for everybody else. Someone, Yeah, someone going for their third jog. And that, like, that's a pretty low number. Just a thousand-ish, even like up to yeah. 10,000 would be a pretty low number after all this time. Uh, like people can do this and we've proven that we can um, at least uh, better than in some other areas of the world but also a bit worse than others yep. and there's a lot we can learn from a certain few places that have been looking to ease the lockdowns or already have eased the lockdown um, some of those lessons are we need to have 
like lots of masks and stuff available for the population. Sadly, we're not really going to have that. So we have to we have to be looking at more stringent lockdown measures in the likes of Taiwan or Hong Kong, where um, personal masks and stuff like that are far more common. And since we've had such a widespread of the virus, it's, it's harder to come out of a lockdown quite as soon as New Zealand had a more contained spread. But it's good to see that people in general, according to at least the polls and the stats, are still being receptive to yeah. staying indoors as long as is necessary. Just one point before we broaden the conversation out to the rest of the world and other countries who are doing, as you say, less well than others. There is that 20,000 milestone which the UK will hit this weekend. Yeah. If you cast your mind back about four or five weeks the general consensus was that if the UK kept coronavirus deaths, uh, deaths under 20,000, we would have done very, very well. But clearly we're going to right, smash yeah. through that because the deaths are still in the hundreds every single day. Yeah. The thing to remember about that statement especially um, is we would have been doing very, very well if we kept it below 20,000 at that point where we had already made a bunch of mistakes and 20,000 should have been an unacceptable number. We could have had deaths in the hundreds we could have deaths in the tens if we were super proactive so yeah we're kind of almost hitting this target that we were told would be very very good yeah if we all behaved very very well so well done everybody we've behaved very very well but it's still an unacceptable number this whole thing is still unacceptable uh we have to keep in mind that no matter how good we do we still failed at the beginning and that's not really on the population, that's on the leadership. Now, part of the, the blowback to the leadership was the Sunday Times piece from last week, which went into great detail about the fact that Boris Johnson had taken an extended holiday in February and missed the first five COBRA meetings about the coronavirus, yeah. only started attending them at the end of February, the start of March, yeah. as well as the fact that the UK reportedly declined to be part of the eu group who were bringing in yeah. personal protective equipment for staff which they then blamed in in an ever-shifting story of we didn't see it see it get the emails or we didn't get the invite whatever 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 they lied which which then became by the way some uh, it was a, a civil servant who said actually the uk decided to avoid getting involved for political reasons yeah it was a political move which was then hastily retracted yeah and and even though uh, the scheme itself has still not been effective we didn't have a crystal ball that told us it wouldn't be effective until whatever two weeks time still or however many weeks are still left. We should have been eager to join every single possible scheme to get more gear in because we needed it desperately. I mean, everyone needs more gear. Everyone needs more gear. Everybody. That's one thing that will get you through a lockdown is having the right gear. With the criticism aimed at Boris Johnson in particular was the fact that he took what was described as a holiday in checkers so he could sort through his divorce as well as his essentially deal with his pregnant girlfriend, Carrie Simmons. He also missed the five Cobra meetings. Now that is being contested. Some people saying that, okay, yes, he missed them, but it's not prime ministers aren't prime minister expected to, yeah. to attend them. And then other people saying, well, no, look, during the foot and mouth crisis, Gordon Brown was there at every single meeting. Yeah. So... Where, where's the balance there? Who, who's right? Who's in the who's on the right side of history? Right. Well, we were told, and we covered this last week. We were told in January that the UK and the whole world was at high risk of yeah epidemics or pandemic if everybody doesn't act. 
Uh, I think that when you get told by the organization that you trust to give you warnings about these things, that you're at high risk, we should not be expecting a prime minister to miss any meetings. So as far as I know, it's not common for a prime minister to miss one or two of these, never mind five of these yep. uh, meetings when a crisis is developing. So I, I, the, the thing about the report that we have to remember is that it was getting spread by the right-wing media who generally prop up Boris and everything so, he does and brush his mistakes aside. That was the interesting thing for me, was the fact that it was the Sunday Times yeah. who are a conservative-supporting, government-supporting newspaper yeah. who ran this story in the first place, which which did surprise me. Yeah, um, so when the government is doing such a bad job in at least some ways that they do not have any support from even their own supporting media for specific things, it's a real bad sign. Even if all of the other uh, nation leaders are, are not really yelling about it too loudly, um, that's just because they don't want to cause panic. Even if uh, the leader of the opposition isn't yelling too loudly, again, it's because they don't want to cause panic. Yeah. The fact that the media is not propping up these mistakes or like brushing them aside is a, is a sign that this is not going to go down well uh, if there are any future inquiries. But then again, the Conservatives do not have a good run on uh, inquiries and reports and bringing things to light rather than just letting it all fizzle away. Okay, let's move on to other leaders of Western nations who should really know better or really know anything. Let's move on to Donald Trump, who in the last... 24 hours has come out with something so unbelievably stupid yeah. that I am actually still in disbelief that I'm actually going to have to read this out. Mm -hmm. So this is the story that Donald Trump has been lambasted by the medical community after suggesting research into whether coronavirus could be treated by injecting disinfectant yeah. into the human body. Yeah. This also, in this co uh, press conference, he also appeared to suggest uh, irradiating patients' bodies with UV light. Yeah. well, uh, An idea which was then dismissed by a doctor at the very same briefing. Yeah, getting, getting light into the bodies, I believe, is one of the, one of the things. I mean, I, one of the big questions that comes out of this to me is, what does Donald Trump think we're made of? Like, does he think we're all <laughs> hollow on the inside? We just got a little layer of skin? And you can treat the whole inside at once. I, we've gone. It's, it's again. Trump keeps doing this thing where you can't satirize him because he does stuff that is so stupid, it doesn't feel real. For example, he finished that spiel by saying, "Well, he was pointing to his head and said, I'm not a doctor, but I'm like a person that has a good, you know what? You know what?' And he's implying, brain. This is Trump's. This is how Trump gets away with a lot of it. Is he's always just implying stuff." Sometimes he's just implying that he's got a big brain or other body parts. Um, sometimes he's implying that it would be interesting if a certain treatment was studied. But he's never saying, hey, we should, we should all bleach your insides. He's saying, hey, we should check out if that might work. So, yeah. So his, his quote was, I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute. One minute. And is there a way we can yeah. do something like that by injection inside or almost a cleaning? Yeah. So it would be interesting to check that. Yeah, it does a number on the, that, on the lungs and whatnot. Um, so, that yeah, that's exactly the, the language he is always using for these things. He's just brainstorming some dumb ideas about stuff. But the way he presents it is in more of a question to the people around him so that he can get away with the dumbest stuff in the world. The sad thing is that there are people who are in the Trump cult who will 
not understand that he's just being an idiot and he's brainstorming out loud on national television. Yep. And they might think he's onto something. So they're going to give it a try. So we might actually see some people trying to treat themselves with bleaches and cleaners and all this stuff. Correct. Uh, or putting a UV light inside their body, you know. To the extent that Lysol, who are the, the biggest brand, biggest disinfectant brand in the US, have had to put out a statement today to say, please do not ingest or yeah. inject yeah. our disinfectant because it is poisonous, it may kill you. Yeah, yeah. Um, to the, uh, which, is, which is a remarkable and horrendous state of affairs when a disinfectant company is actually having to say that following a comment by the president of the free world. Yeah. How, like, how are we in this situation? It's, it's bad enough, the fact that... Here's, here's something. I know people who are fans of Trump. Uh, I have friends oh. who are fans of Trump. Do any of them listen? No, none of them do, which is good. That's a shame. Because I'm about to insult them very, very heavily. Okay. The fact that these people, first of all, see this racist, illiterate, immoral, adulterous, blonde buffoon <laughs> moron. on the list. What have you got against blondes? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Fake tanned. Yeah. Bleached eyes. The, the fact that people support him and the fact that he grabs women by the poop is beyond me. But now the fact that he's saying this and people are still standing by him and saying, no, the media have twisted his words. No, they haven't. He yeah. literally said, how about we inject disinfectant into people's bodies and see if that helps? This, is, this was predicted centuries ago, though, or at least a century ago, specifically in America. <laughs> how so? I um, can't remember who it was, but they were talking about democracy and they were saying democracy perfected will give you a leader that reflects the soul of the people. So someday the people will get their will and we will have a moron in charge. That's ringing a bell. Like, this is something that was said a century ago. I read it recently, which is why the paraphrase was at least somewhat accurate. Uh, and it's true. A pure, perfect democracy which represents the will of the people will eventually, and every single one of those, represent the dumber side of people. Because there are people who are smart, and there are people who are in separate cults and or states of belief in the world where they have just become angry at every single thing, including all the experts. So they want to give all the power to someone who talks to their heart. And Trump talks to the hearts of a lot of people right now. Right, let me just... Because they have been misled. Okay, well, on that note, let's go to the protests in America. Now, in more than a dozen uh, still states... liberating all kinds of states. More than a dozen states, there have been protests, likes of Michigan and Ohio, ranging from a handful of people to hundreds who are protesting the lockdown and saying this is a uh, breaching our civil liberties, freedom, blah, 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 here's an American flag. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which... And, and these are largely pro-Trump rallies yeah yeah and trump has been essentially playing both sides and that he's saying yeah american people are getting out doing their thing and then also the next step criticizing the georgian governor for relaxing some certain lockdown rules mm -hmm. and on the beaches of florida last weekend people were flocking to the beaches because they were open again yeah which so to me and we discussed this last week he's given the decisions over to the individual states yeah to absolve him of blame, he's and then he's the book, going yeah. after the governors who are doing things which are medically, well, the, the experts are saying, don't do it, stay in lockdown. And the only governors he'll go after are governors who oppose him. Any governor who gives him a phone call and says nice things about him and tells him that his eyes are lovely and he definitely does not look like he's bleached his, his 
general eye area. They'll get support no matter how many mistakes they make. Um, but Trump will try and find the mistakes that his op- opposition governors are making. And they will. They will make mistakes because when you look at America, there's not many good leaders. Uh, you've got leaders uh, on the on the Republican side. You've got leaders on the Democratic side. And mostly it's just all corruption and corporate lobbies. Um, so he'll find a lot of people who are making mistakes. Um, but this is just the other Trump playbook. We talked about it again previously where right. he'll never really take a side. He will just uh, say things that are vague and then find people to blame for mistakes. When, when it comes to the protests, what's your view on on why that's happening and what the impact is? Or what, what's the right. from the outside looking in? Okay, no. So the protests are an AstroTurf campaign. They are not a grassroots movement. They are not something that's happened because the population of the of the states want them. It is all sponsored and uh, manipulated by people with money. Either people who want the economy to be back on back in action or people who just generally want to be protesting stuff so that they can become richer themselves. You see a lot of the domains that are attached to websites that are supporting these protests and movements are all getting registered by the same few companies, all of them shell companies. You see the same names appearing um, in the groups that are organizing protests and it's just the same bunch of people who are always trying to organize protests so that they can get fans to give them money. Right. None of it's genuine. Sadly, people are falling for it because that's what people do. Um, they, they have the right to protest though. Even if they're doing it for dumb reasons, they're being misled to do it. They've got the right to protest, but they need to know how to protest safely. Uh, We've always got the right to protest and we always need to know how to protest safely. In this instance, if you want to protest something, you probably need to do it somewhere that's inconvenient for the government, but it's not inconvenient for healthcare and somewhere that's inconvenient for the government or for the economy, but not inconvenient for your own personal health and the health of those around you. So if you want to stay in your cars, and block a road, sure, that seems pretty safe. If you're doing it for good reasons, uh, sadly, not many of the, or at least as far as I've seen, none of the protests are being organized by a genuine movement. Yeah. So it's all just people risking their lives because they've been misled, which is a pretty common theme in America lately. Sticking with America and something that's going to affect the supply chain across the world, the price of oil, the price of US crude oil, fell to negative for the first time in history as stockpiles overwhelmed storage facilities worldwide, uh, meaning that producers of oil were actually having to pay suppliers to take the oil off their hands, which yeah, is the first yeah. time that's ever happened. Yeah. Prices have rebounded slightly to just over a dollar as of Friday, but this is uncharted territory. Now, whilst they've had issues with the essentially overproduction of oil, particularly in the most recent financial crash of 2008, Mm -hmm. they had enough capacity to store the oil in these massive oil tankers, essentially just off the coasts of various countries across the world. But now we're at this level where the uh, usage of cars, of motor vehicles across the world has dropped and fallen so dramatically that there's just this massive overabundance. This is, Mm -hmm. I mean, and you'll see this reflected in petrol prices. They are falling to levels not seen for, as I say, the best part of a decade. This is something, James, that I believe we're going to continue to see in industries worldwide. Yeah, so the oil industry is the biggest example of this right now. But all sorts of industries that rely on us, the normal people, to have their revenue are falling. Um, whether or not they'll survive a big enough like general world lockdown time as 
is now needed because of all of our inaction at the start. We don't know. It's a shame for the people who work for these companies that the people who run these companies weren't competent enough uh, to have enough plans in place for these kinds of world events, which are inevitable. Um, it's not a shame for any of the owners of the companies. I don't mind that they're all losing absolutely massive amounts of money um, to try and get rid of their, their, their goods and their stocks of different things. Uh, that's what they get for entering the risky business of stuff. And they're, they've always told us that they get to keep all the profits because they've accepted all of the risk. So here it is again, I've said this before, uh, the result of risk is massive losses if you haven't planned for catastrophes. Ta-da. Yeah, I feel sorry for people who will be losing their jobs in these situations. I hope that all relevant governments will step in to give them uh, the help they need to keep themselves and their families afloat. Um, <laughs> all these like businesses, so what? Get rid of them. We'll start over. People will make new businesses. We're in, isn't, that's not, we don't rely on the same names to exist after this. We just rely on the stuff to exist. And granted, infrastructure matters. Right. But we're not going to be going back to square one in one day. We'll have a lot of time to get used to a new routine. So all these big companies that have made massive mistakes and taken advantage of, of um, people for years and years and years, it's, it's kind of fun to see some of them failing now. Um, and the only thing to hope is that the people that are going redundant are taken care of because of course well, the companies will not be taking care of them themselves. Well, see, that's, that's the, that's the only thing. And one f leading on to that one final business to talk about before we move on to our, our next section yeah. and that's Primark. Now you're saying that, okay, it's funny to see some of these firms suffering. I'll say, well, there's a lot of people who are mm -hmm, working mm -hmm. for these companies who are much less fortunate than those at the top yeah. who will really be struggling at this point. Yeah. And Primark's one of those who, for example, have gone from making £650 million in sales to a grand total of zero yeah. because they've had to close all of their stores and they don't have anything online. So... yeah. Um, that's that's one where, for example, the people who are manning the tills in the stores in Glasgow, whether they've been furloughed, I presume they have, but they may be, may be one of these firms who have been told they're too big, in which case, I don't know what's happened to them. And so yeah. whilst you have these companies who, for example, are paying uh, well under the odds for people to make their clothing in the likes of Bangladesh and Nepal, it's yeah. the knock-on effect that that's having for people in Scotland, right, as well as the people in yeah. East Asia. But the only things we learn from this aren't that it's okay to have companies do awful things because they employ people. The things we learn from this are we need a robust government with a good tax system in place during the years of prosperity that is prepared for the years of crisis so that when crisis comes, the government can take care of people who lose their jobs. We also need to learn that businesses have to do the same thing so that when they're having good years, they have to be setting aside enough to, to have months worth of um, funds that they would need to keep going in the bad times. People have been too lazy to do that. The economy has been too lazy to do that. Everybody at the top has been too greedy and too lazy to actually try to prepare for these, again, inevitable situations. But the fact that they employ people isn't a get-out-of-jail-free card. Even if it was one company employing the whole nation, they still have to have acceptable standards of living and they would still need to be prepared or it is on their heads if people go unemployed and if people go hungry. So, yeah, they didn't plan ahead. Now people are unemployed. That's on the people who run the business. They should be investigated. 
were they adequately prepared for these crises that are always going to happen eventually? And was the government again? But are we going to get these inquiries and get the right people um, questions about it? Probably not. Lockdown conditions are continuing across the vast majority of the world. Uh, let's talk about Singapore, James. Now you've put a link here, which was talking about the fact that the Singaporean officials essentially decided to continue living life as normal. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. What's what's been the result of that? I know Sweden have done something very similar. Yeah, well, well, so Singapore, unlike Sweden, had a good response originally. Right to coronavirus so they had their borders a bit more closed down and they were testing people at the border and they did manage to contain the initial spread very well because people that were coming into the country uh, initially were getting tested and positive cases are getting traced and people were getting put into quarantine all this stuff and mm-hmm. uh, we were praising that original response uh, i mean of course our praise here in the podcast is the most important but generally across the world media and uh, the world stage Singapore were getting praised for their initial response. But right. this lazy, no lockdown, uh, this general laziness to inform people of how to take care of themselves, because we had officials saying that people didn't need masks or that healthy people couldn't get the virus and stuff like that. Yep. That has led to secondary outbreaks. So they're now suffering with bigger peaks in the number of people that are uh, getting infected and the number of people that are that are dying. Um, and that is probably just going to carry on until they have actual lockdowns. Because what we've learned across the world is that if you don't contain the spread, lockdown's the only answer. Um, nowhere is nowhere is getting through the the you take it on the take it on the face kind of approach very well. Second thing that went wrong for Singapore was their uh, lower class isn't well taken care of. Yeah. So they've got migrant communities and uh, lower class worker communities that are living in super dense um, populations, um, shoulder to shoulder with hundreds of families all in one place. So when they get told to lock down, it's impossible. And the government didn't get, offer them any help or solutions. So uh, lesson learned, hopefully, for the world is take care of the poorest in your nation and it helps everybody because not taking care of the poorest in the nation in Singapore has led to outbreaks. But- um, but if you look at similar um, regions of the world, we're in uh, an area with a big mega city as its dense, as yeah. its main population. Uh, they've handled it a bit better. So you look at Taiwan, you look at Hong Kong. Uh, they had they managed the initial spread pretty well, um, but even after that, they still uh, maintained good lockdown practices. They informed their populations. They made sure everyone's got masks, even though masks are very popular there already because they've dealt with outbreaks in the past um, and they've seen lower peaks as as coronavirus re-enters their countries. On on that note James, you talk about masks, this is something which I imagine we're going to hear more of in the coming weeks in the US there have been a couple of viral videos online showing for example police forcibly removing a passenger from a bus because he wasn't wearing a mask Right. this is something which we've often seen in Scotland from, say, Chinese tourists who are just so used to wearing masks that they do that here in Scotland. Yeah, I mean, Do you believe that we'll see a change in attitude when it comes to that well, after all this or, or perhaps in the next few weeks? The reason a lot of countries in the world do culturally have 
um, a general acceptance of where the masks if you're going about is in two parts. One, because pollution is real bad, masks keep you healthier. We really should be doing that too in our major cities. Uh, people should be wearing masks if they want to stay healthy for a long time. Um, but yep. also because most of these countries have had several um, epidemics of different kinds break out. Um, and they've learned through those experiences, masks are good. We should have them. Um, yeah. So potentially we're going to see a lot of now Western countries who have actually had to deal with an outbreak this time, rather than all those countries that uh, have dealt with epidemics before treat, like actually containing it. We've had to deal with it as well this time. So we might see um, an uptake of the same culture of general yeah, mask wearing, hand washing hygiene things like e e ebola zika sars never really made much of an impact i think with ebola there was maybe one patient in scotland yeah. maybe five yeah. zika i don't think there were any yeah. sars i unable to tell you i couldn't yeah. tell you how many there were this is certainly the, the first time this has really hit yeah. everywhere and we were all told of those ones as well that we were at risk but the local responses managed to contain it better this time around, Corona was more contagious, so they didn't. And we weren't prepared for that. We were somehow, I guess it's like a cried wolf situation, but not really because there was a serious threat every single time. Yeah. Um, but we were told there was a serious threat loads. And then this time around, the government's response was, I suppose they might just be wrong rather than taking it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and in this instance, we've had to deal with the consequences. And we might see a difference in the way people... Uh, behave. We might see a general attempt to be safer at mass gatherings and stuff. So we might see masks at concerts and things. Um, although I'm sure our our police, who generally want to see our faces, wouldn't be so happy. Yeah, that is true. There, whilst I've seen stats that show crime is down, certainly wearing a mask and other aspects of this lockdown are, are you know, is ripe opportunities for our would-be criminals. It's just crazy talk, right? People wear masks, that's fine. It's <laughs> Wearing a mask doesn't mean that you want to go rob a house. Um, but I'm sure if you do want to rob a house, wearing a mask is a good idea. <laughs> but I hope I hope that if we do see an uptake... Robbery advice from James. Yeah, I, yeah I, I hope that if we do see an uptake in mask wearing, that we <laughs> the police realise that and they don't just like stop everybody on the street who's wearing a mask because we've got some pretty serious stop and search rules here because, well, privileged folks voted for them because they thought it would never affect them. But, you know, it might now. If you start wearing masks for the rest of your lives, it might. Here we are. Now, we talked about the UK and America's response. How about New Zealand and Australia? Now... The New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern gave a press conference last week talking about how from this Monday, the lockdown measures in the, I was going to say the land of Kiwis. Wow. In New Zealand, I've no idea where that came from, um, are being relaxed somewhat. Yeah. Now, whilst the advice is very much still stay at home, there are there's a relaxing of the rules. But the New Zealand, the nation of New Zealand have, have dealt with the coronavirus very well. Mm -hmm. I believe part of that is because it is less of a hub than, say, London oh, yeah, or yeah, New York. international hub. However, it still has a population of 5 million people. They're clearly doing, or clearly have done certain things yeah, right. I mean, the tourism industry over there is pretty significant and they've still got quite a big population. Australia is the same. I should add, sorry, Australia is the same. They've, they've done... Relatively, relatively well. well not as well this this numbers are looking pretty similar but australia's testing is less um widespread so 
they, we'd have to multiply their numbers a wee bit because they've not had as big of a lockdown and they haven't managed to control it as well, but far better than some other places of the world. But the like these are countries that took it more seriously. And Australia, far more seriously than any of us expected considering uh, how poorly they handled their previous um, disaster. Um, but we hopefully can learn some lessons from it because New Zealand, when they were told there's a risk, took it. Uh, took a big note of that. And then when they started seeing cases, yep. they closed the border a bit. Anyone that was coming into the country, Australia too, people coming into the country enter some sort of a quarantine for two weeks so that you can figure out if they've got coronavirus or not. And only then were they allowed to uh, get to wherever they were aiming to get to. So in Australia, uh, Sydney's one of the major uh, hubs for people coming in. So you'd enter Sydney, you'd get in a quarantine, and then after your your quarantine time, you could go on to whichever state you were actually aiming to to arrive in. Yeah. Similarly, in New Zealand, they were yeah. testing and tracing all cases. Where in the UK, we we didn't really do any of that. We still aren't really doing any of that. People are still coming in. Uh, there's no quarantines for for folks that are entering the UK. We're not testing anyone at the border. We're not we're not tracing everyone they talk mm-hmm. they they've met. And one of the last things that happened in New Zealand and before the lockdown really uh, kicked in was uh, they tested someone, turned out to be positive. Uh, they traced it back to a concert or something, uh, found 80 other cases there or, eight, or something along those lines. Uh, so the numbers would have been even lower if they were a couple of days quicker. Uh, and we learned from that, we learned from, especially somewhere like Vietnam, who locked down their borders straight away, did all the, did all the testing and tracing, aiming from the, from the beginning to eradicate all instances of the virus and uh, test everybody that's entering a country clearly works could the uk have done it yeah probably not because we are incompetent <laughs> we aren't prepared for that we we do not want to slow down the airports a touch because it would impact your economy uh, so that's the selfishness there that has led to us not being able to replicate the successful so far uh-huh. uh, methods of other countries so let me ask then james bring this to a close how does the uk exit lockdown it has now been a full yeah, month well, of lockdown I'm, I'm sure we can learn lessons from New Zealand's attempt they're looking to allow businesses that can have social distancing in place start operating again they're they're going to allow more things to be considered essential trips and stuff like that so I'm sure that we in the UK once we get to numbers that are uh, uh, manageable in terms of current cases can do similar things where businesses that have good social distancing uh, will be able to reopen and we'll be allowed to do more stuff in small groups like we might be able to go visit our our friends at a flat if we're not like because we won't be able to go to pubs and stuff yeah and we won't be able to go to gigs and things but we might be able to gather as friend groups and that would be great for people's social health um but the the lesson surely is that taking too long is better than easing up too quickly. Correct. And and there will be countries and there will especially be states in a specific country that do ease up way too fast and they're going to see wave after wave after wave until they realize that going slow and keeping your R number low is the only way to progress. If you haven't eradicated the virus within your borders and your borders aren't closed, we have to take our time. So here's, just before we wrap up, here's my two cents on that. For me unless you are just testing everybody, you'll be unable to eradicate the virus entirely because people will travel, people will 
still fly into airports. But people will drive across the border. But why? Why so, are we letting people fly in? Well, hold on, hold on. That's that's just the reality of what's happening. So unless you are testing absolutely everybody and using some of the methods you've talked about, whether that be quarantining for 14 days or in Korea, essentially hiring, South Korea, hiring private detectives to figure out who you've been yep. in contact with and Tracing, then contacting yeah. them and getting them to isolate every, uh, everybody who's been in contact. Yeah. Unless you're doing that, the virus is always still going to be yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So then it's about okay, accepting that this is the, this is the the Scotland, this is the UK we live in. How are we dealing with having a virus which is always going to be around, particularly for let's say the next year? Yeah. Um, How do you do that? And for me, it's about having elements of lockdown which are just unfortunately going to have to stay in place. And as you say, for sure, pubs. Mass gatherings are just not going to happen. Sorry, for... everybody who's getting married. Well, that's yeah, that's the thing. I've had Unless four... you've got barely any friends, in which case it's probably not going to have any effect on you. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Lizzie Bark, who managed to get married in February well before all this happened, uh, and also to the you know to the bands who I got to see up until oh the end of February. Yeah. Anyone after that, everything's been cancelled yeah. and is likely to be cancelled for what, a year. Yeah. And then who's to say that after that, people actually want to get into a venue of two hundred people. 200 sweaty people yeah. and then all jump and bustle bustle jostle into each <laughs> just, other yeah but and like, it's just okay i just don't see that happening but, i mean whilst sorry whilst i am very much in support of let's say bands who want to make a living and tour i just feel like there there is going to be a before and after point where some people will continue to do things they always the way they always have whereas for other people it will be a case of i can't go out there anymore because of my own uh, decisions or my own health or the risk of me infecting somebody else. Yeah. But there are huge steps that we could take to make that a bit easier. So right. we're talking about travel being inevitable. Nope, travel's not inevitable. The tourism ministry is already dead. It's already going to be dead for a year. So how about we just yep. accept that and make it kind of illegal for the year? And we don't accept anybody in uh, to the country that isn't willing to go through that quarantine period but or that's, that testing that's just, period. It's unworkable. It isn't unworkable. It is. People no. have to, for example, let's say a, a parent dies in a country that, for example, I know people who are here from America, yeah. whose parents are in America. If they have to leave the country, they've got to leave the country. Yeah, well, like, that's not, an, that's not a have to. That's not a need to. That's a sacrifice that is possible. If your parents have died in a foreign country, that is a have to. If my parents died right now in the same country I am in, I would not travel home. I'm not crossing any borders there. I wouldn't even travel across my country. It is not something we have to do. And yes, we're all used to being able to do these things and it feels like it's just a natural right, but it is a selfish right. And it's okay to demand that your rights be upheld, but you can be selfish by doing so. It doesn't make it something that is naturally good and definitely necessary just because it feels like it is. Okay. There's a lot of these trips that feel essential that aren't. And I am not even talking about those. I'm talking about tourists. <laughs> if you're not willing to go through a two-week quarantine <laughs> to get your holiday, don't come. Ban it. If you need it, have you got essential business trips that need done? Well, schedule it for two weeks in a day because you're going to have to go through quarantine. All of these things are possible. Uh, and then we can have more businesses opening sooner. Um, we have to support those industries that are getting destroyed to let the rest of the country survive. So we have to support uh people that are uh, in the gig economy. You have to support people that are in the tourism economy. You have to support people that are in um, jobs that cannot um, social distance and therefore cannot exist for the foreseeable future. 
the government needs to be stepping up to give them the support they need. But there is so much more that we could be doing uh, to minimize the incoming vectors uh, of coronavirus. And uh, we aren't doing those. And we might still not be having people in mandatory quarantine and stuff soon. We were we were up till the day we were in lockdown. People were only being advised to self-isolate. Yeah. Advising people to self-isolate is always going to have one in every hundred or one in every thousand of those people ignore it and infect another few hundred. Um, but we're very used to a lot of freedoms that are selfish. Um, sadly, that's the way we are built, is, is to take the freedoms that we want, even if they are going to harm other people. And it might not be deliberate harm, but it is still something selfish to do. Okay, wrapping up. James, I have not watched or finished anything in the past seven days. It has been yeah, that busy. Yeah, yeah. Have yeah. you have you done anything? Seen anything? Oh, I've been watching things, but I've not finished anything. So oh, man. Well, through a good list of shows, but nothing to report, sadly. Oh, man. Well, in that case, we're just going to have to review <laughs> Cure Starmer's performance at Prime Minister's Questions. Did you see it? Oh, let's do that. Yeah, I, I, I tuned in a wee what, bit. So the first uh, PMQs for the new leader of the opposition, what did you think? Isn't he just so prime ministerial? <laughs> Isn't that super important? Isn't it nice to have a prime ministerial opposition in this country again? Oh, wow. Do, do you know what? He was exactly the same as Corbyn. It was no different. He just, Do you know what I thought was funny? What was funny? You may have missed this. The fact that clearly... The edict came out came out from the uh, Labour comms team for his fellow Labour MPs to tweet a, a description of how his PMQs had gone. Oh, yeah. And they all used the same phrases and words, which were uh, forensic and penetrating. <laughs> and there are just dozens of these tweets from Labour MPs being yeah. say, saying things like, uh, a strong forensic penetrating PMQs yeah, from Keir Starmer. Yeah. And it's you're just like, oh, come on, come on. This is yeah, not how you're meant to when, do this. When when Rab tried to dodge the dodge the numbers, he said, don't dodge the numbers. And I'm like, that's not, that's not something unusual. Everybody that's <laughs> commenting as if the opposition is somehow different to what it was before. No, this isn't any different. He must have not been watching many of Jeremy's ones. He, was, yeah. he had a kinder tone and he mentioned some of us in the population by name, but that's about the only two differences. Um, Starmer, uh, having a legal background, great. I'm sure he will do a good job, but let's not start trying to pretend it's massively different on his first attempt, right? Yeah. He might have some shining occurrences, but this was, this was pretty normal looking in my opinion. I hope he does do a much better job than Carbon did. The dream is for the opposition to be perfect. I want the best opposition to the government possible at all times. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't some big like revelation. Yeah. <laughs> If you have seen, watched a movie, TV show, read a book, played a game, you can, of course, send us an audio review. Be like Izzy or Ross or anyone who sent us a review over the last few weeks. Talk about what you've been watching and send it here. Yeah, we'll play it on the episode yeah. so you don't have to listen to the two of us. That's a dream. Okay, James, it's time to end. Uh, thank you very much for your time and we will see you in self-isolation yes. lockdown. Part six next oh my week. My goodness. It goes on. The beat goes on. Right. Cheers, James. Bye. Right. Bye. And bye, everyone. No, no witty remark today. Yeah. Zelda's sleeping. I've been too loud. I don't want to make one last hilarious joke that wakes her up. <laughs>
Bye, Zelda. Wait, I'm not leaving.